Shalom. We are so glad you're joining us on this episode of Our Hope. We created this podcast as a resource for followers of Yeshua, where they can learn more about Israel, the Bible, and the Jewish community. Together, we discuss Messianic apologetics, dive into Scripture, and hear stories from Jewish believers in Jesus. If you've enjoyed our podcast series, please consider supporting us at ourhopepodcast.com support. You could also help us by sharing this podcast on social media, talking about it with your friends and family, or by writing a review on Apple Podcasts. We are so grateful for you, and we hope this episode of Our Hope is both enlightening and encouraging. Welcome to Our Hope, a production of Chosen People Ministries. Shalom. My name is Nicole Vaca, and I'm one of the co-producers of Our Hope podcast. We created Our Hope to be a window into the Messianic community, a place where we can discuss Israel and the Bible, and a resource for people who want to share their faith more effectively and compassionately with the Jewish community. If you are interested in supporting what we do, you can donate to Chosen People Ministries at chosenpeople.com donate. You can also support us by sharing this podcast on social media with your friends and family, or by writing a review on Apple Podcasts. We are so grateful for your support, and we hope you enjoy the rest of this episode. Miss Israel. Anyone who has visited this country knows how beautiful the land is and how lively the people are. Israelis are known for their wonderful food, their sense of adventure, and their passion for life. After completing their service in the Israel Defense Forces, many young Israelis travel around the world, and these trips can often be life-changing for them. As they hike mountains, stay in hostels, and make new friendships, these backpackers begin to think about the meaning of life and what they believe. On today's episode, we have invited back Robin, a woman who loves Israel and her people, to tell us about the unique ways she is engaging with the Israeli community, whether in person or online during this pandemic. Robin, welcome back to Our Hope. Hi, Shalom, Nicole. It's nice to be here. So you're actually a returning guest. And you mentioned last time that your favorite Israeli food is hummus. So we're changing it up. What is your favorite food when you have traveled abroad for work? I am a total foodie and I have the privilege of leading a lot of our short-term ministry trips and visiting um, many of the countries chosen people's working in. So it's a hard question to answer because I could go with that down a back alley, amazing ramen place in Tokyo. I can go with Sag Paneer in Goa um, or the savory pies in New Zealand, also called empanadas in Argentina. Um, but honestly, my all-time favorite food is in New York City. I grew up there and still to this day, my go-to best food is a good pastrami on rye with mustard, a half sour pickle and a side of coleslaw. Nothing beats it. Mm, that sounds so good. That reminds me of Katz's Deli in Manhattan. 
All right. So I have another question for you since we're still in the pandemic. Uh, is there a verse in scripture that has been really encouraging to you during this time? Yeah, I would say, you know, whenever going through a, a difficult season, whether it's a personal difficult season or a bigger one, obviously the first time it's a pandemic, but like sometimes, you know, it's bigger things nationally. I always live in the Psalms. I feel like the way David talks to God um, about the things he's going mm. through and just really calls upon trusting in God and God's faithfulness is such an encouragement. So I've been living in the Psalms in general, but Psalm 46 has been my go-to from the beginning of the pandemic. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place for the most high dwells. And so, um, and it goes on. I really encourage people to read the whole thing, but it's basically realizing it is God who's our refuge and our strength. Even when there is trouble, like God knew there'd be trouble, um, but he's with us and it makes a huge difference. Amen. Yeah. And I love the imagery in that Psalm about like the mountains and the streams. And I'm sure that really hits home when you're out and you're actually hiking and traveling. And I know we have done backpacking trips in places like Brazil, where we have interacted with Israelis, but they're not exactly like mission trips. Can you share how our backpacking program is unique? Yeah, I think what makes it unique is how relational it is. Um, it's not mm. like just sharing the gospel and running, but you're hiking together, you're cooking meals together at hostels or at tent sites. As well, we have hosting centers in many of these countries, whether it's an apartment or a youth hostel, where we have full-time staff that are basically really living together yeah. with these young Israelis who are coming. And um, they know that we're hosting them to show God's love in a practical way. They don't have to hear more than that, but the majority ask questions. And, you know, one of the best things about um, whether it's in one of our hosting centers or at a tent site when we've gone out to hike together for a few days is that after you've shared, people have time to think about it. You're laughing together. You're doing other things together. You're sharing in the context of asking what's their life story and them wanting to know yours and yours includes what Yeshua, what Jesus has done in your life. And the amazing thing is that you're spending days together. Like sometimes I share with someone and they seem not open at all and they have time to come back the next day and get alongside you while you're hiking. You're out in nature and God's creation and it's like calling out of God's glory. And um, the person will always get beside whoever shared with them the night before and say, hey, I actually have some questions about what you shared or, hey, I told you I didn't believe, but I, I, I kind of do, but I'm not sure what I believe. Um, conversations then go really deep. And that's when they can come back and say, I have a question about something you said yesterday, or how can I find out more about Yeshua? Or do you know someone else who believes that I could hear another uh, story of why or how they believe. I mean, you'd be amazed how many people love to hear 
life transformation stories. Um, and, and sharing testimony is such a great way to share without kind of preaching. You know, you always want to think about how you would want to hear. Um, another way these trips are unique is that most short-term ministry trips are just that, they're short-term, and you don't always necessarily have any way to be in contact again. But the people we're going to reach all are going to come back to Israel in some months. And then when they're back in Israel, we're able to reconnect through hosting here, reunion parties, Shabbat gatherings, um, visiting in homes. And so we're able to do follow-up and keep those relationships and it becomes a long-term ministry. And so um, when people are ready, and sometimes that's a year or two later, three years later during this pandemic, um, two women that I met on two different trips in India came to faith through follow-up, through having more time, not going to work and not going to school. Yeah, it's short-term ministry that becomes long-term ministry. And it's also an amazing investment of discipleship into the young adults who come on these trips. Um, because again, we're living together through the whole experience and um, they're learning about sharing their faith and seeing God show up. That's awesome. And I love how it's it's a unique opportunity for young adults too, because it's not as, I guess, formal as like a mission trip usually is. Um, we also have a program at CPM called Outreach Israel, which you have led. What do volunteers do when they come visit Israel for this outreach? Oh, that's such a great experience for people to do because you get to read the Bible and see the places in the Bible, like read it where it happened. And so you really get to experience Israel and the Bible becoming 3D. And then on top of that, ministry-wise, you work alongside all our different staff. And we have such an amazing staff team here in Israel. So you might spend some days um, going to visit Holocaust survivors, providing a meal for them and a bag of groceries for the week, as well as doing skits or music. It, you know, it depends on the gifts that are in a particular team. Um, but you get to really connect and serve. So um, you'll spend some days going with our staff that work with Holocaust survivors. You'll spend some days at our center hosting a Shabbat meal for believers and non-believers together where a testimony is shared. And you sit on the table and you maybe some people on the team will meet believers and hear what it's like to be a believer in Israel and learn how to really pray for us here. And others will sit with non-believers and get to share their testimony. So you're not only seeing ministry, but you're rolling up your sleeves and doing ministry and you're meeting the people of Israel and you're working with children through senior citizens um, alongside all different staff and seeing a variety of ways that we are sharing the gospel. Um, you, uh, often you get to go to a, like a music coffee night, all the different ways we do outreach. Um, the people on Outreach Israel get to participate in and be part of. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's a lot of fun too, getting to actually visit the places that are in the Bible. As you were speaking, I thought of this. What are some common misconceptions that you find people have about Israel before they visit to do an outreach? Many times people think everybody here is religious Jewish or religious Muslim. Um, and they think that all Israelis know the scriptures. And so mm -hmm. often people come a little intimidated when actually about 80% of the country would consider themselves a bit more secular 
and they have a very light knowledge of scripture. They know the scriptures connected to like Passover and the historic, you know, holidays, but yeah. um, most of them really aren't familiar at all with prophecies and who is the Messiah. And so, yeah, I think people are surprised to see how modern a country it is. Um, you know, they come to see the the stones that are two and three and four and 5,000 years old. But really, you know, you see people walking around in the hippest fashions with the latest technology. We're one of like, you know, they call us Silicon Valley too, the area between yeah. Tel Aviv and Haifa. So we're super high tech. Everyone always wants the newest technology as soon as it comes out. And um, yeah, I think that surprises people. I think people still have this image that everyone's kind of religious and living in some time back in time. That's right. You would assume that it's a very religious place, you know, especially I think the the tourism side of Israel. People tend to focus more on the biblical sites and the ancient ruins and stuff. But yeah, it is very modern. Um, as you're talking to Israelis about the Messianic prophecies and the scriptures in Israel or abroad when you're doing the backpacking trips and they find out that you believe in Yeshua, what are the responses that you usually receive? Actually, it's been really amazing these last few years, because before a few years ago, the first response would be questions of my own Judaism, or letting me know like Jewish people aren't supposed to believe that. But in the last few years, I feel like God is doing something really new. And the response is more um, a curiosity, like, how did you become a believer in Yeshua? Why do you believe this? Or even... A lot of people have said, like, you know, Yeshua is the most famous Jewish person who ever lived, and we Israelis know nothing about him. And so they're really curious. Um, sometimes I even hear, you know, <laughs> this is something I've heard many times on backpacker trips. Like, I heard, and Israeli will tell me, I heard that Yeshua was the greatest hippie who ever lived. He was about love. <laughs> he was about peace. And maybe they have some of it a little bit off and wrong. But there isn't the fear there used to be a few years ago um, to enter the dialogue and to ask some questions about Yeshua. Now, of course, that, that's a generalization. On every trip, there'll be some people who tell me the questions of like, are you sure you're Jewish? Or they'll question my Judaism or they'll think I'm confused. The majority are, are more open than that today and very curious about why they don't know more about Jesus themselves, um, being that he is an Israeli Jew. So there's there is there's an open door to share um, in a way that didn't exist a few years ago. Yeah. To add to that, um, would you say that as people are getting older and also as new generations are now becoming young adults, is that also changing the landscape the spiritual landscape of Israel? Like, do you believe that younger Israelis might be more open to hearing about Yeshua? You know, I've seen more openness in general, of course, a bit more amongst the young, but even amongst Holocaust survivors in the last years, um, we've seen people come to faith. Um, I do think, though, that when I first moved to Israel in the 90s, we were the first generation. There were only a few families that were second and third generation believers. Almost all of us moved mm -hmm. in from outside. And now you have this whole generation 
so many 20-somethings that were born in the land, that grew up here, that went to Israeli school, that believe in Yeshua. And they served in the army and they did very normal Israeli things and lived normal Israeli lives. And so years ago, when I would meet an Israeli backpacker, they never met someone before who believed Jesus was the Messiah. But now because of these young people who serve in the army, and they may be the only believer, they're often the only believer in their whole um, base um, or troop or group, but yeah. they, they let people know they're believers. And so because of that testimony and them being solid people, the people they look to, the others look to in difficult times, whether they share the gospel with them or not, when we meet them, I often, like people on the team will all talk about it. We often get the response like, oh, you're a believer. I knew one in the army, best person I know. <laughs> I have some questions for you. And sometimes they're afraid to ask questions in front of their mutual friends. And this is a safe place now outside of Israel, in New Zealand, in India, in um, South America, to sit and ask the questions of meaning of life and um, decide whether they believe or what their parents taught them or believe more than their parents taught them. Many grew up secular. But I do think having a generation of young people who grew up and served the army has made a huge difference in being able to share the gospel with that generation. Wow, that's awesome that people are actually meeting more believers and uh, it's becoming more more accepted. Since a lot of the world has put a limit on air travel, we have not done a backpacking trip since earlier this year, I believe. Uh, what are some of the ways we are continuing our conversations with Israeli backpackers? Okay, so one of the things we've been able to do even better during the pandemic than not during the pandemic, which, you know, you always look for what's the silver lining in a difficult time. Um, I would say that because people are at home, follow up has been much more fruitful, because often you're trying to follow up. And, you know, here in Israel, it's one of the highest cost of living in the world. Tel Aviv is more expensive city than New York City to live in. Um, so people work two jobs, they go to school, you know, when they come back from their travels, they go to university. Um, and it's hard to reach people. And even those who are interested in hearing more, you have a coffee, and then it can be two weeks till you can have a coffee again. Um, but now during the pandemic, people were home, people were thinking about what really matters in life. And we were able to do amazing one on one follow up with lots of people we met on past trips. And we've been able to do programs online, thanks to your team. You, wow, your team are the heroes of this time period, because globally, we've all tapped into you to help us to do better online programs. And so we've done outreach programs for the holidays. We've done all sorts of like every event that we would have to try to share the gospel with um, people, backpackers and people of that age group in person, now we're doing online. And um, it, it, it's just been amazing to be able to do that, to reach people in their homes at this time. Speaking of online events, I mean, yeah, the pandemic has put some limitations on the kinds of events and the gatherings that we're able to have. So how else have our centers in Israel been adapted to still be a place of hope during this time? One way is by moving all our programs online, and we've added some new programs as well. 
ways for people to come together um, and believers and non-believers to mix. So some are more direct, like Bible studies and outreach programs and sharing, you know, Isaiah 53. And some are more like having book clubs and cooking classes where believers and non-believers can meet. And there is a spiritual theme to it, um, but it's doing something enjoyable together. We're also serving by providing food packages and other needs to those who have lost their jobs in this time and um, need a little bit of extra support. Um, and we've had some, uh, you know, one-on-one -on -one phone calls, one-on-one -on -one meetups in person when it's possible, um, some small group meetups. Um, the staff working with Holocaust survivors have been able to meet with them in groups under 10 and bring the gospel, bring meals, and bring fun. They've um, brought music, they've brought painting classes, um, lots of ways of making sure that people aren't lo lonely in this season. I think it's so important what you mentioned, you know, that you make sure people have fun. You know, I think we kind of downplay that aspect too of just, you know, relational evangelism, you know, friendship and using anything to really share the gospel with people. Now, we have done some digital campaigns in Israel during this year as well. And one of them is our Isaiah 53 Explained book. Can you share some of the questions or responses that you have heard about it? Yes, we get a wide variety from people who are curious um, to people who are uh, opposed, <laughs> writing comments yeah. or sending in comments. But we have um, hundreds sometimes in a month that we're really running a campaign, hundreds of people who write in requesting the book, Isaiah 53 Explained. Um, I was once in my landlord's office to drop something off and on his desk, he had the book in Hebrew. Oh my gosh. And I said, where did you get that book? And he said, oh, I saw a Facebook ad and the idea of changing my life. I mean, who doesn't want to change their life? I don't know if you know much of my story, Nicole, but basically mm -hmm. when I was in college, um, it was a friend of my mother's who was a Jewish believer, and she would share with me. I wouldn't let her read from the New Testament, so she would share prophecy with me, and I would argue with her, um, and she would just keep praying for me, and I would let her come back. And one day, she shared Isaiah 53, and it is such a clear and strong picture of mm. Jesus, of Yeshua dying for us, that I was sure she was sneaking a New Testament. And I tried to kick her out of my house. And she said, I'll go if you let me show you one last thing. And she took my family Bible, which didn't have a New Testament in it, opened it to Isaiah 53. And there in my family's Bible, I read this clear picture of Yeshua. And my life was never the same. So for me, it's a campaign that uh, holds so much uh, meaning, but it, it, it's similar response we get here. If someone reads it, they're shocked that this is in our scriptures. Um, and why haven't they been shown this before? And why haven't they been told this before? So it's really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And that's awesome that you guys are able to call the people who receive the book and follow up with them, which I know many of you have been doing during this time. Uh, we imagine a lot of people right now are asking where God is during this pandemic. 
How do you respond and offer hope to those who are searching? Yeah, um, I wanted to let you know that um, a couple of our staff have been doing more follow-up with Isaiah 53 too and having some good conversations. And um, a young man who lives right by our Ramatgan Center ended up coming to faith and he's meeting with our staff for Bible study. So that is amazing. Some of the meetings are on Zoom. Sometimes they actually can manage to meet in person. Um, But God is at work during this time. Um, where, Where is God now? I think that is, you know, the age old question that people ask, uh, where is God in these difficult times? And for me, actually, it's also part of my story of how I came to faith, because when I was seeking, I was looking at some other, you know, spiritual things and new age things, and none of them seem based on truth or the reality of the world we live in. And yet the scriptures, when I would look at them, were so true. And they do tell us that in this world, we'll have trouble, we'll go through hard times. But if we look to God, he's with us in the midst of it. And that makes all the difference in the world. Um, it's, It's not, I don't have a pat and easy answer for all the reasons, you know, things go on that are allowed to go on. Um. But I know that having God in the midst of it makes all the difference in the world. That's so true. I tell my mom, you know, life is hard enough with God. I don't, I can't imagine how people live life without God. I've been through times in my life when I had um, perfect health and didn't know God. And I've been through times when I've been sick and didn't know God and times I've had perfect health and sickness knowing God. And I just know no matter what is going on, the peace and the joy and and joy isn't like, you know, just laughing and happy. You can have peace and joy in that deep way, deep in your heart, that knowing that ultimately God is in control and ultimately God's with you. Um, Even in the midst of such difficult times and um, there, yeah, it's hard to explain when someone hasn't experienced it, but the promises in the Bible that, that he will never leave us, they're very true. Amen. Robin, I'd like to know, what are some ways we can pray for you and your work during this season? Well, to pray for me, please pray for my family, that they would come to know the Lord in a personal way. And just that, you know, of course, it's been really hard. I can't visit my family or see my family. They're back in the States and I'm in Israel. Um, So pray for them at this time and pray for our work that we continue to be really creative in the ways that we do outreach in this challenging season and that we stay sensitive to the people in our community and hearing their needs. Recently, we learned of the need of 18 families um, that really needed help for food, for for shoes for their kids. And through a grant, we were able to help them. And um, yeah, so we want to, you know, really be sensitive to what's going on in our community and how we can serve them. And please pray for Jewish people to come to faith uh, all around the world. Pray that there would be a real awakening to who their Messiah is. Amen. That's why we're here. What advice do you give to believers who want to engage with the Jewish community, whether locally or around the world? Well, I always say, think about the way you would want someone to share with you, especially considering Mm -hmm. some of the back history and how controversial it is for a Jewish person to believe in Jesus. So be relational, 
ask questions, get to know people, and to prepare themselves. We have so many resources. Um, Chosenpeople.com has so much teaching on the Jewish holidays um, for believers. Um, and then we have three websites for non-believers, but I think believers should get familiar with them because they'll have these stories and this information in their pocket. So poke around our Isaiah53.com site. I found Shalom.com. Listen to some of the testimonies and stories of how Jewish people came to faith. And we have a really new website that is apologetics called chosenpeopleanswers.com. And the, those last three are places you can send Jewish friends who are curious once they're in dialogue. But I really think you can use it for training yourself how to be better prepared to answer people's questions and to approach people with questions. And if you don't live near Jewish people and want to be involved with bringing the gospel to Jewish people, you can pray for the, the staff of Chosen People Ministries that are full-time around the world sharing the gospel with Jewish people. And you can go on our website and read the profiles of our staff and find one that resonates with you and consider supporting one of them and helping them to continue to bring the gospel to Jewish people. Thank you, Robin. And thank you so much for joining us for this episode. I, I learned a lot about what we're doing uh, to help reach Israeli backpackers around the world, as well as Israelis who are living in Israel. And we really appreciate the work that you do for Chosen People Ministries. Well, thank you. We so appreciate you and your team and all that you're doing to um, really reach people from their homes. It's been amazing. Whether in person or online, on the mountains of Brazil or on a Zoom call in Israel, we are continuing to build meaningful relationships with the Jewish community as we point them to the only one who gives us hope during this desperate time, Yeshua. Please pray for people like Robin who serve as the bridge between Israelis and their Messiah, that God would continue to strengthen and use his servants in unexpected ways to bring this message of hope to his chosen people. We want to leave you with this verse from Isaiah chapter 52, verse 7. How lovely on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who announces peace and brings good news of happiness, who announces salvation and says to Zion, your God reigns. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Our Hope Podcast. This episode was made possible by Dr. Mitch Glazer, Robin, Abraham Vasquez, Grace Swee, and Kyron Bautista. Thank you for listening. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Our Hope. If you like our show and want to know more, check out OurHoPodcast.com or ChosenPeople.com. See you next time.